Hello, everyone. We are coming to you from the greatest recording studio in the world, aka my 2003 Honda Accord. Honda Civic, by, <laughs> backed up by my 2013 Honda Civic gifted from my dad, which is kind of like a walk down history. And if you haven't noticed, there's another voice with us today. We have Mr. Jake Myers. Hey guys, how's it going today? Yes, he's our special guest and um, first special guest we've ever had on the show. Very excited. Thanks for coming on down here. Thank you so much. <laughs> good to be here, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, Jake has a YouTube channel, by the way. Follow him, Jake Myers. Yes, on Jake Myers on YouTube. I've been posting about a month. Um, trying to get more into it because I tried to hoodwink people into getting into a giveaway, which I was not so um, excited about. So. <laughs> Try to be a little, little sneak about that, but sidewinding knave, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake. Um, what what topic are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about Theodore Roosevelt. Yes, we are. Which is a very interesting character. He's essentially a president that is the quote-unquote manliest of all time, Pretty which we saw on the internet. Pretty much. Uh, what was the website called that you were looking up? The Art of Manliness. The Art of Manliness. That might be the greatest website of all time. So, Teddy Roosevelt, I believe, was the uh, 26th president, if I, if I have that correctly. And uh, he was born on October uh, 27th in, eight, in 1858, so just, just before the Civil War. And uh, he was born in Manhattan, uh, New York. And his dad was, a, was, was quite the businessman, from what I understand. Quite the businessman. So he was, he was essentially, so his dad was pretty much living out the quote-unquote American dream of the 1800s. And pretty much with, with Teddy Roosevelt or any um, future U.S. president, I think they had to go through the quote-unquote hero's journey to get into his presidency as he got older. He was also like one of the, um, the youngest, if I'm not mistaken. He was the youngest, actually. He was the youngest president of the United States. So he, he had to pretty much go through um, a lot of internal kind of struggles early on in his life to, to get into, you know, presidency when they're young. Because most people, like, when they, get, when they become a president, like, throughout history, they basically, you know, are either, like, this general of war, like George Washington, who yeah. basically had to go into his own later in life. But Teddy Roosevelt had to, had to get into that spot while he was pretty early. young. So. Exactly. Yeah, he had to go through a lot of stuff. He pretty much lived, in a, like, a full life, like, in, you know, a very short period of time, as the other presidents have, like... I mean, a lot of presidents now seems to be like sixty years older exactly. or older, and they've lived a whole life. And he's like, he lived a giant like life compacted into like only so many years before he became president. Um, yeah, his dad was a businessman in New York, uh, and they were pretty like influential for the most part. Which is uh, it's kind of funny too, because like their family was like when you think of Teddy Roosevelt, you think of like the rough like adventurer dude with his hat and all that, and like exactly. out in the woods. And like he started off with a family of like pretty much like the aristocrat, like the high the high up people. It's, so yeah, it's dude, it's so interesting to see because he he became he came from a very affluent family, family yeah. and when you when you look at his story, he essentially like went off on a tangent on his own path yeah, towards right. just, you know, what he defined as the American dream, which wasn't... See, like, because with most people, they think that you're going to go off your what your family's business is, right? Mm -hmm. like, like a sort of Rockefeller-type destiny, right, where you achieve the American dream. But just follow the family's he, legacy. Or whatever, yeah, so yeah. what Theodore Roosevelt decided to do is he decided to go into his own destiny, which didn't have to rely on this wealth or this affluency that his parents had, which was... It's actually quite profound. It was, it was pretty cool. I mean, that's the cool thing too. Is he's pretty like, he's pretty like, 
relatable. Like, if you think about it, like, because, like, even if, if you're, like, super wealthy, like, because clearly he was, like, still, like, super refined when he came. He didn't just, like, come out of the woods and become the president or whatever. Like, he, like, understood both, like, worlds. Like, he understood, like, that, like, you know, out in the wilderness type of personality because he lived through that. And he also lived through, like, I guess the, the, the high up lifestyle, too. So I feel like he was, like, relatable to any person. And, like, I don't know, a very, like, well-rounded person. He's, like, a little renaissance man. Very, very, very well-rounded person. I think that's what made him, like, a good president, too. He decided to, to not only um, go on with policies, but also humanitarian ideas, which basically um, bolstered him into a spot where he could lead a nation. Yeah, and he had a very good sense of, like, what people wanted and what people needed, for that matter, too. And he very understanding, which is really cool. Other thing that was interesting about him was uh, he suffered from asthma when he was a kid. And, uh, yeah, and, like, which is really funny, too, because they, they exclaimed in the description of him that he was suffering from asthma and he, like, could have died multiple times where he'd, like, wake up in the middle of the night, like, gasping. But he was, like, also, like, super energetic and, like, it says inquisitive, yeah. uh, apparently. So he was super, like, he wasn't, like, a downer. He wasn't, like, the stereotypical kid in the hospital who was all sad or whatever. He was like, ah, sucks, sucks, but whatever. I'm it's, just going to keep it's going. Funny too, because originally he was he was a very, like, sickly child. Yeah. Which I, which I was kind of researching. I said, I'm like, oh, he's a, re- he's a sickly child. But then I read about all his different like boxing achievements all his hunting right accolades if you actually look at his house he's he's got all these different hunting accolades and, and animal heads on his walls which is basically like this this um this lodge you know yes where, where he basically has all his different achievements in life so we took something from a very sickly child and he decided not to you know just stick down that sickly road and he decided to make something of himself yeah he really flipped the script or whatever within itself yeah. yeah that's pretty cool about him too and he I don't know, one of the funny things about this, too, was the fact that he was, like, from what I understood, like, back in the day, like, the, the medicine wasn't the best, mm-hmm. and from what I understand, yeah. like, the funniest thing, too, because, like, uh, was back then, they thought that to help cure asthma, they could, like, smoke a cigar or whatever, yeah. and, like, all the opposite things, and he, like, just still, like, managed to get by, and, like, I don't know, he just, like, I just thought that was really funny. And just see, just see the irony in that, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right, because, like, like, now we look at this, and we're, like... Dude, that was so stupid. But, like, I'm sure there's going to be, like, a hundred years from now, people are going to ask, like, our generation, like, why did you do that or whatever? Like, there's always going to be, like, some, like, dumb mistake or gaffe. But, like, I just think that's really funny. Exactly. Uh, and I think you can kind of see, like, with how the morality was sort of different back in the day. Yeah. And, and, you see, and you see this as, like, a trend among, like, early U.S. presidents is that they were essentially well ahead of their time. They, they, they got to a point within their life where they're basically, like, you know, I'm... I need to do something that's bigger than myself. Right, yeah, they right. kind of realized they were like... Well, like going from George Washington, you know, Abraham Lincoln. All these people have this sort of um, common denominator of finding out that their lives mean more than something that's more than themselves. Yeah, I, I think that was cool too, because I feel like, yeah, especially the older presidents from that time period, because a lot of people say Teddy Roosevelt was the first modern president, but he was kind of exactly. like on that like hinge of like, he still had the old world values or whatever. Cause like today, like not, not to like make fun of like modern politicians. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are out there for the good, right reasons. Yeah. But like the stereotype for like a politician now is like this like power, like scheming, like hungry, like power hungry, like scheming individual who just kind of like doesn't really care per se. But like, yeah. like people like Teddy Roosevelt, like Abe Lincoln, like George Washington, like they already like, maybe like a lot of them like already had like the life pretty much. And they just kind of decided, decided to like set out and like do better for like other people as opposed to like accumulate more for themselves they're like no it's, I, I think i they had they realized they had the opportunity to like to help the world for the um and make that exactly. a better place which like, was really cool they were they were genuinely like good people yeah and they were public servants which is exactly what exactly you and, should and, be. and they didn't go off these like 
um, like in psychology, we call it like Machiavellian game playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where, you, where you basically the ends are, justify the means, or exactly, whatever. And, and you basically are, are playing games to get power. You know, see, Teddy Roosevelt went into this humanitarian kind of thing where he's, where he's being good for the sake of being good rather than just trying to push push forth this ideology. Yeah. Right. And that's what a lot of people try to, like, cover up their, like, all the crap that they do and then they finally get caught. They're like, well, don't worry. The ends justify the means. Like, don't, like exactly. 20 years from now, like, all the dead, like, people or all the horrible things we just did, it'll be okay. I mean, like, people like Teddy Roosevelt were like... I'm just gonna do the right thing now, and like, so it, so good things happen now, as opposed to so like, it's it's good for the sake of being good. You know, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't have to be able to go through like all these different things where you're trying to go off your own narcissistic like ideal. You yeah, I mean? right. You're, you're, you're just trying to basically go through like good for the sake of helping people. That's kind of who he was. Yeah, that's what he stood for as a person, which was really cool too. Exactly. And. uh uh, I think I think it was cool because you said he was like human humanitarian. He was like he was really into nature too. I mean, obviously he went out into like, the wilderness, which we'll cover in a little bit. And he said apparently I, I don't know if you found this, but I just found this interesting. I looked it up, and apparently like when he was little, like he started getting into like animals and stuff. He's into like zoology, and like I don't know, there I guess they were at like a market, and uh, there was like a seal, like a dead seal, like I guess for seal meat, and like he wanted to like make. Oh, what's the, what's the word? Like taxidermy or whatever? Like where they they put the animals together? Yeah, like, I mean, they like, see it all the time in like hunting lodges. You probably had all those like where you put like the 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 moose's head on like the th- on the on the wall, that type of thing. And like he like he, like they bought like the seal and he like made his own like uh, he called it like Teddy Roosevelt or sorry Theodore Roosevelt's museum of like animals. And like him and his like cousins would like just like collect animals and like insects and like cause they were super into that stuff. And they would like set up like a little museum at their house or whatever, which I just thought was. Was, was awesome. cool. I'm sure their parents didn't appreciate like the smell after like a day, but yeah, like <laughs> them, but been, like plus they probably had, had to like brush that place up a couple, like a couple times over yeah, the years too. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm pretty sure I was watching a YouTube video a couple weeks ago where they basically showed the inside of the house. And, oh really? And how people you're only allowed to have like so many people with inside the house, like, maybe like 30, 40 max, because it's such like a sacred kind of thing, and they want to keep everything how it was originally. Yeah, I've heard that. that I know that like, they do that with a lot of historical sites that they want to conserve or. I know there's like a uh, there's like a cave somewhere in France that had like the really old like uh, cavemen paintings or whatever. Oh, when they finally found it, yeah. they like put the... pe- people everyone wanted to go see it, and they're like, oh, "This is so cool!" And after like a couple, maybe like 10, 15 years, they started, or maybe even twenty years, they started to realize that it was starting to fade because the more people that were in it were causing like. This. So they're like, "Okay, we can only send in like scientists or like if you get clearance." So like, yeah. it makes sense to in places like Teddy Roosevelt's place and all those like big like you want to conserve those so people like. You know, exactly, yeah, exactly. I think that's kind of cool. I didn't even know that actually. I think it's, I think it's also interesting too, just seeing all the different places of residency has, and how right. he's, and how Teddy's sort of made it his own. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you think about presidents, where it's like, oh, they're, you know, residence is just the White House. Yeah, right. See, Theodore was, you know, Teddy was different in the sense that he had all these different residences before he actually went into office. Yeah, that was cool too because he was like, I don't know, he just. He, he kind of like I don't know I feel like when you look at a lot of politicians or like people who became president even like in the past it's just like yeah they, they were a lawyer and then they like had their like mansion and then they just kind of became president he's just like no I'm gonna I'm gonna go to all these like hunting lodges and stuff and like go to all these different places yeah. and that's what I, yeah I heard that's what I was reading too because apparently because they were like wealthy so they had like they were well off but like apparently they took trips to like Europe and stuff and they went to like, I have to read it I think I have it in one of my notes somewhere um, they went to like Egypt and like they climbed like the Alps in like Germany or whatever they went to all these like places like they just like visited places i think this was during like the civil war too i think it says dad held yeah i love this i was dead 
uh, helped fund the civil the union for during the Civil War, and uh, he also said he helped fund the Met, like the Metropolitan uh, Museum um, in uh, New York. Uh, but whatever. So obviously, they, so his dad was a pretty apparently a pretty good guy too. He helped. He did a lot of um, humanitarian uh, philanthropy and stuff like that. But uh, they, they took a lot of trips, and uh, they he he's like went everywhere. It seems like he was like. He, seemed, cool. he seems too like he was like the quintessential um, outdoorsman, right? Know? Yeah, from like all these different like adventures that he went on. See, it, it's it's interesting because virtually no other president was as like decorated of an outdoorsman as he was. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, think about it too, because it's like especially the fact that he was like thinking the first one that jumps out is the Alps, because I know the Alps are like super hard. Like, like I mean, it's a lot easier today, but like like go back. I mean, this is more than with years. asthma. With well. asthma with in asthma. in the high altitude. I mean, could you imagine? Like, and he's just and he and for what it seems cool about him, his personality was super like we'll find a way around it. Like because he was super sickly and like had asthma, and apparently like he wanted to learn boxing because like he could easily be like pushed around and he was like well i want to get i want to start he started doing a lot of exercises so he can improve himself he because to build his he, he started to build his own physical um like fitness levels yeah his so capabilities he so he could basically um use his you know his physical character to build his mental character which, yeah which is like inspirational yeah it is also. because it's kind of like i mean it's kind of like, cause like when you're like the the I don't know the stereotypical like sickly like scrawny individual who's like always in bed. It's like I mean I'm sure your mental state isn't that. You're probably not like yay life, but like he was like, well I'm gonna get out of this situation and I'm gonna work on it and to help build it. And I'm sure his his yeah, uh, and he, he probably didn't even have the presence of mind of that. I mean like, you know I might as well you know do this just for my own sake of living. Yeah and, right. Especially back then it was like, <laughs> dude like, you get a cold you're gonna die. Like you better like yeah. it's like do or die. This is like suddenly t- talking about like objective. Morality. <laughs> I know, right? Like, this, yeah. this is like the theme of this podcast is like tangents. I might as well change the name to this show, just ta- history tangents. But yeah, Theodore Roosevelt's podcast with several tangents. Yeah, yeah, but like that's how it goes. Um, so apparently, this one was really cool. I didn't know this, but another interesting, I guess, the beginning of his life that shaped his life, or I guess maybe in politics or like whatever, maybe like on morality and like what was like the right thing to do was he apparently when he was six, he and there's a picture of it too. Uh, he watched the uh, Abe Lincoln's funeral procession in New York, when it went through New York in 1865. Really? And there's wow. a picture. I didn't know this until like today. I was looking it up, and it was one of the things that popped up. And there's a picture of it. And they had to confirm it years later with family members. But like, if you zoom in close, as like a window, or like there's it shows like the street with like the pre- procession, and then there's like all like the buildings, and then there's like an open window because people are looking out the windows. And there's one with like these two little kids, and one of them is his brother, and one of them's him, and he's like six years old, and he's like watching the Lincoln funeral procession wow. which is like I, I sure did a number not did a number but like he probably affected him he was like whoa like why did this happen it's probably the beginning of him starting to think like why did this president get shot like you know and obviously I'm sure he figured out later like Lincoln was one of those people like because obviously Lincoln fits in that category of like like he, he did something bigger than himself I mean he had to like free the slaves he had to put this country that was falling apart together and I'm no doubt Teddy Roosevelt was probably who's another inspirational figure too he was Lincoln what a guy yeah honestly I like that's one of my things I would like to do a podcast on every president mm-hmm. I mean there's some ones more that are bigger than others like Lincoln or whatever but Lincoln's another guy that would be awesome to talk yeah, about because because um I'm not going to go into, like, Abe Lincoln and all his, yeah. like, moral duties. But I think what's also interesting about um, Teddy is that he, he gets to see something at such a young age, you know, with with Abe Lincoln, 
which which essentially comes from his you know affluency, but at the same time he gets to really learn those lessons. Uh, yeah, right. You know, at a very young age. Whereas most of us, when, when we're young, we just kind of you know just kind of wander around, enjoy life, you know, for what it is, because our minds aren't fully developed. Yeah. But seeing that, you, you kind of raise questions of that must have shaped. Yeah, because no doubt, like his family was too. What his family was obviously, like you were saying, was affluent. Obviously, super educated. So I'm sure, like he was asking. And he said he was inquisitive. So he was probably asking questions, like why that like why did the president die like everyone says he's a great guy like why did someone like shoot him and he's probably like, well he did this and like this was the right thing to do like he had to free the slaves and help the country but people didn't like that and like i probably i'm sure that like i'm sure lincoln was probably a role model of his yeah. no doubt or at least later because i love it too about this podcast is that you're bringing a lot of the historical like fact base whereas mm-hmm. i'm bringing kind of like that psychology right yeah, this is a good combination do we make a good team i know right dude like i'm, I'm bringing you back in other episodes like hands yeah. down this is happening uh yeah this is this is this is great honestly i'm enjoying this it, it's also nice because like as much as i love to hear my own voice it's nice to have a conversation with someone yeah it's, it's a, just like kind of, kind of just just um just like going off like your own you know what i mean my on, own your own t- on your own like kind of like thought train it's, yeah it's kind of cool to get like that other aspect especially for me too like being this being my first podcast just having somebody um offering a different perspective to right. build on to somebody that's so like revered yeah right and it's cool so. too because it's like it's not like we're debating either we're just like kind of bouncing that things off of each other and it's like it's working pretty well so like it's awesome yeah um we're on, but yeah so but i think i think it's safe to say uh jake myers is coming back into a few in a future podcast yeah, a couple more episodes wait. that'll no, be fun i'll have you on my youtube channel too. yes yes I, i'm excited about that too um, so I'm just thinking other things we found about him. So yeah, so you you mentioned um, that his his mom. You 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 told me something interesting about what happened with his, his mom and his wife. Uh, so you want to elaborate about that? Prior to the podcast, yeah. So before, um, essentially, one of the most moving parts of of Teddy's life was on Valentine's Day. And I'm not I'm not sure if you have in your notes which year. I don't on, know which year. But on Valentine's Day, both his mother and his wife. Um, died you know one one from an illness and then i'm pretty sure one right after from like from a different yeah from i'm pretty sure might be a factor from old age and it's interesting too because that was a time in his life where he basically like his whole like story of building and, and feeling this you know concept of love and feeling supported both his family aspect and his love interest was erased from his life yeah seriously and so when you think about it, he, he, his, his whole life from when he was, you know, first getting built up is disappeared. And he basically writes, writes in his journal, he says, the light has gone from my life. Oh man, that's like a gut punch. Dun, like, dun, dun. I know, right? Yeah. And it's interesting too that you bring that up because one, because I, I, um, I heard when I was re- like topically when I was researching like oh this is why he became like the rough rider type person like when he went out into the woods or whatever and went out into like the territories um, I believe it was the Dakotas and you know Dakotas. and did all those things which was like obviously like ter- mountainous terrain back and still is today but like I didn't re- I knew it was because like his wife died but I didn't realize his mom and his wife both died on this on Valentine's Day which is like I mean like catastrophic yeah, I mean, on a day that symbolizes love. love. It's like, yeah. hey, honey, look, I got you chocolates. And it's just like, 
no one's there. Dead, it's like, oh man. Dead, yeah. I mean, poor. I mean, this poor guy too. Like, and I feel like that you were saying like the hero's journey for him because it was like beginning of his life was going great. Like he had one. He had he had his sicknesses, which was like his adversity, but he was uh, he was overcoming that, and his family was like doing well. I mean, he lived in a relatively like good. He was well off, and then he's you know gets married and he you know, has a great family, and then just like it all just comes crashing down. Like. Yeah, you know, which, which, which actually, you know, going from, you know, because it's often said, like, at least from, um, you know, my psychology class is that your hardest, darkest times is essentially like a turning point in many people's lives where it basically shapes them into something that's either good or they, t- they turn into these, you know, essential, you know, bitter narcissists for the rest of their right. lives and just bitter and angry at the world. But I think what, what's interesting is, is when he went to the Dakotas, he essentially is, is resembled and, and akin to that of like a lone wolf. Yeah, right. right. Who doesn't who doesn't feel any of that? He's he's essentially numb inside. Yeah, right? he's trying to work it all. He eventually uh, works it all out. But like during that time period, he's just like I, I just picture like the Lone Ranger or whatever, just like you yes, know, like yes. just like like a bandit, like you know, running through like all those like uncharted territories. Total and stuff. abandonment, you yeah, know? And, and just and just feel these feelings of just like not feeling connected to anyone. Now, if like what's what's awesome about that turnout is that he eventually gets married again and has children. And yeah, finds like new meaning in life or whatever. Finds the new meaning in life, which which that within itself is is like really awesome because you get to you get to have somebody that that has experienced so much pain in their lives, right. but still become this influential figure. It helps for, so many more people. That is etched in history. Yeah, as one of the most like remarkable men in American history. And that's the thing too, like you were saying, it was like the dark, like you said from your psychology class, like. Which is so crazy you think about because it's like the darkest times what defines the person like usually for the rest of their life especially exactly. if they're if, if they're like influential and like Teddy Roosevelt like I mean he could have went a completely other way and like could have mm-hmm. done a lot of damage too but instead he chose to like work it out and like do so much good and like kind of find like life again and then you see people like I mean the other direction you see like people like I like you know where I researched like Hitler and it's like how Hitler came to be and Hitler like he had a horrible life like his his, his dad was I think it was a stepdad was super abusive and he had like he lost his like family and stuff and then he became and then he like didn't get into art school like twice or whatever exactly. so then like he became bitter and then like you know like World War Two happened like all because of him but like if like I mean if like he went out another way like if he maybe saw a more positive way or like it's so much he could have done so much good for the world and then you know exactly. it's crazy how like these like so many things could have like what if and, it, and Teddy Roosevelt is, a, is an example of like coming out positively through like such a dark time I love I love the example of Hitler too because um, coming from like you know what actually happened with Hitler as opposed to like you know Teddy Roosevelt where he essentially takes that pain and that sorrow into something that's positive I think with Hitler um, he essentially took all that rejection and contempt and, and like, rejection in his life and that, like, lack of love from his, his biggest supporting figures. Yep. And he essentially turned into this narcissistic, um, false persona. So he basically, so he basically has this little boy that's so hurt inside and so, like, you know, downtrodden by the world. And he pushes out this powerful ego. Right. right, and so that's that's the difference. Is like inside is is just this very hurt little boy, but his narcissistic persona causes him to want to destroy all the things that was contemptful in his life. Exactly. Which which that within itself speaks to the psychology. It's like you could either have this, you know, hurt persona where you push out this narcissism, 
that only builds and that, that's what you convince in your mind or you could turn it into something that's Positive. that's good for the sake of being good yeah i mean right? it's crazy too because it's like i mean i mean you're in psychology and it's like you got to get past i guess the, the lesson with anybody like roosevelt hitler people like that it's like you got you got to get past that like somehow you got to get out like because i mean teddy roosevelt's a great example how you got out in a good way he got out and was able to not only like improve his life but he was able to improve the lives of like so many more people because he became the president and all that stuff but then you see like i mean like i mean maybe i I highly doubt like if you come out in a bad way everyone's going to become hitler and like conquer europe and kill millions of people i'm not saying that like if anyone's like sad out there like i'm not saying you're going to become hitler but i am saying that it's great so it's so important like how much damage could cause just for you i mean hitler was probably super damaged inside i mean obviously still was his whole life i mean and in in a sense in a sense, we always, all of us kind of have a time in our lives where you could point to. Maybe not to the extent of, of say, you know, your, your, your family dying on Valentine's Day, which, yeah. is, which is a very, like, you know, critical oh, example. But I think we all have a time in our lives where we feel lost and broken. But I think what's, in, what's important to realize is, like, the power of the human spirit to, to heal itself. Yeah, right. Right? And if you go down this road of just hatred and contempt and just disdain towards the world... You're always going to be like that because you're going to be like, oh my gosh, all these people around me are just not filling my narrative. Whether if you're being good for the sake of being good, such as Teddy Roosevelt, you're essentially in the spot where you can feel that happiness inside. Like goodness equals happiness in psychology, which I'm starting, which I'm learning from just look, looking at other podcasts. Yeah, right. podcasts well. But essentially from there, you can kind of take that human spirit and that humanitarian thing to feel that good within yourself and heal yourself yeah right because i think a lot of people a lot of people have this idea it's like well if i do good like people will always do good to me it's like well that's not always the case like you're gonna you could be nice to someone do great things for them and in return they can like stab you in the back but like the thing is like you should be fulfilling yourself by doing good itself without hoping for like a reward in return and i feel like that's where all the sad people come from they're like well i did so many good things but like look what i got back and it's like well did you enjoy doing those good things did you find like pleasure in like helping other people because if that's exactly. not the case like that there's the real problem but teddy roosevelt's a great example of like and we'll get into this right now i guess because uh is you know he, he was he, he turned it around he got married later on and then after that he, this is when he kind of jumps into like politics because obviously he still had his like family connections which helped him um kind of like get like um rise in terms of like um i think he started off pretty low level like he's based in new york i believe like just very low level like um part of like some councils or whatever just like helping local uh, stuff and then he started getting some recognition obviously because of his family and I know that uh, he eventually caught the eye of some of the the leading members in Washington and then he became the assistant uh, secretary of the Navy um, for uh, William McKinley who was the president um, uh, during the turn of the century from the 1800s to the 1900s um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to assume he definitely had some. He had to have had military experience. He was the secretary, assistant secretary of the Navy. I didn't. I didn't look how much what the extent that was, but he does. After that, he he. Another interesting thing. He quits to become the assistant secretary because obviously it's like an office job. Probably it's just like sitting behind a desk. Like, hey guys, send the ships over here. Like, do this, this, yeah. and that. But then what I find interesting is that he um, he does the thing called the Rough Riders, which is like the thing that he's known for, and that's the the group of dudes like in their cowboy hats and stuff, and that like, they like fight in like a military conflict, which is called the the uh, the Spanish American War, which is like which awful. again is, is like horribly like stereotypical eighteen hundreds. Yeah, you know you wouldn't see right. that you wouldn't see that here in like you know twenty nineteen with people being okay, we're gonna go be Rough Riders. Yeah, like know? we're gonna get we're gonna go fight this country. We're gonna put our cowboy hats on, getting our getting our horses and like exactly. I mean like 
that it's, it's kind of funny to think about too. But like in the war with Spain, which was interesting, was because I mean, obviously he was like a, he was a pretty high level uh, member of like government, at least at least in the sense of military. And uh, I mean, William McKinley obviously trusted him. But then he's like, no, I want to quit because like, like, we we um, each declared war on Spain, who was like quick crash course on that. They pretty much were oppressing the people in Cuba and the Philippines, which the Spanish Empire ran. And they were more or less putting them in like concentration camps. Like they weren't that, like they were, they were pretty like brutal, like government Spanish Empire, at least at the time. Uh, no shade to Spain now. Like, I mean, you know, but like Spanish Empire at the time, not too great. But so uh, there were like, there were um, newspapers like today, they basically put up like, uh, I guess what you would call now clickbait back in the day. And they basically were like, Spain like did this this and that like you know Spain like killed like 4,000 people today innocent Cubans and then the other newspaper who was like competing with them was like better up the ante like they killed 5,000 people like just yeah. just to like gain attention which was a lot of it was like over exaggerated and then there was like a US military ship that blew up in like the harbor uh, Havana which is the capital of, is the capital of Cuba and they like blamed it on Spain which is still contested if that actually was their fault or not but regardless those like this like it's called yellow journalism it's just like it's like it's just over exaggerating the truth or whatever yeah. and then that that led ironically enough to war so it's like it's so weird how that happened and then teddy roosevelt felt the need to like jump into the fray so to speak and be like okay i'm not gonna sit behind the desk i'm gonna get involved myself and help out like exactly. firsthand which is really cool and yeah pretty much they invaded the united states invaded cuba which would involve the rough rider which was just like his squad of like dude for their horses and the like, cowboy hats and they like owned spain and just like took them to, it was a pretty quick war i think that war only lasted a couple months Teddy Roosevelt just kind of strolled in with his horses and his guys and was just like, you're done. And then like, you like, know what, man? I'm going to take this power and I'm just going to repair you guys. Yeah, and they, Spain did not see, didn't even see it coming. Like, uh, but yeah, so that, I thought that was pretty cool too because like, you, you see like, he's like, he a, I mean, I guess you would consider him, like, he, was pretty, he was a politician. It's like, it's like if like a higher ranking po politician today was like, like, you know what? I'm going to put all my boots and we're, I'm going to Afghanistan myself and I'm going to fight like the terrorists <laughs> myself. It's like Mike Pence just steps up and he's like, guys, take a little vacation i'll take i'll take the taliban all myself there like it's like that's yeah. pretty crazy well, but like i think too like that's um, who teddy roosevelt I think, was i think dissociating from like the 1800s to now I, I think you know now there's there's so much like nuclear warfare power right and, and just going from like that that cold war aspect of like all this different technology getting built up i think back then it was it was much more like old style where you could basically just you know get in there and assert your power yeah right it was hand-to-hand -hand too or like more or less. I mean, there was still like guns and stuff, but it was yeah. It wasn't like push a button and just blow up a country. Like an airstrike. Yeah. yeah, it was like face to face. Like we show up, you show up. We're gonna start a bloodbath. Yeah, blood we'll bath. fight now. Like, and you know, Terry Roosevelt was definitely a person who was like, was get like, his hands dirty. Yeah, he was gonna get his hands dirty. I mean, like, and he was clearly prepared for it because he was definitely like the outdoorsman. He definitely knew how to like, you know, he he wasn't just like some random dude behind a desk that decided to go out. Like he knew what he was doing, which was pretty cool. Uh, but after that, like, so they, we completely own Spain and, uh, then Spain gives up Cuba and the Philippines as well. And then we decide to, um, take the Philippines back, which was which a podcast for another day. Not, not, cast, not yeah. one of the United States most shining moments, but that like, could be that, a podcast like that, within itself. Yeah. I, I might do that. It's a very interesting time period, which I, I think I might later on. But in any case, we, we, we finished that, and Teddy Roosevelt comes back, and he's obviously, like, a hero, because everyone's like, whoa, like, dude, like, like, what? Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, like, what a legend, like, honestly. And then he, um, so then this is how he becomes the vice president, because he's not even the vice president at this point. Um, 
So the vice president at the time, who was the first vice president of uh, William McKinley and during his first term, was a guy named Garrett Hobart, who no one cares about. Um, apparently he was he had a good sense of humor. That's all I know about him. Uh, and he died uh, in like uh, during his time in office. And so he needed a new vice president. So Teddy Roosevelt, remember, never, uh, yeah, everyone liked him. And he was like, okay, like it was probably an easy choice. I mean, it was like, I don't know how the selection process, but like if Teddy Roosevelt's in like the waiting room to, to be the next vice president, he's William McKinley's probably like, everyone can leave. Like, that, that, that's so like Teddy Roosevelt too. Cause, cause you see like, as you were explaining earlier, Teddy Roosevelt is basically dabbling into all these different forms of politics, whether right. it be the Navy and then eventually to the president of the States. But he, he, he essentially is in this spot where he's, dabbling into it and then when somebody goes down Teddy Roosevelt's like yep that's me yeah and I got you into that as well he's such such a well-rounded kind of individual. yeah he's like a renaissance man he just he's does, the he does, he does yeah. everything which is really cool too because it's like and I don't know I just think he's, he's a very interesting guy so he becomes the vice president William McKinley uh, has has him become his running mate and during this time this is when the next election comes around and uh William McKinley and and now Teddy Roosevelt with him, who's 42 or 41 probably at the time, but becomes 42 when he's the president. They they run, they win re-election, and uh, in 19 their election of uh, 1900, and uh, which is really not that long ago. It's really weird to think about. Like we think of this as like old history. Like this is not. It's not, it's not, that, it's not, not it's like that 120, it's 120 yeah. years ago. Like not that yeah. long. But anyway, so he uh, William McKinley wasn't like unpopular. But clearly, some people didn't like him because in uh, in in March so he becomes the vice president uh, in in March of 1901. Because like as we know, like you win the election, but then like in the next year, like so like for example, like Trump became the president in 2016, but then he was officially inaugurated in 17. So that's how it works. They won in tw- in 1900, then he was elected in March of uh, 1901 as the, he became the vice president under William McKinley once again for re-election. So then a couple months go by, so it's March, and I believe into September. So that's only like. I mean, I don't even know, six months, something like that. Something like, mm-hmm. And uh, then um, Will McKinley gets assassinated by a guy named, uh, I had to spell it how you say it, Leon Kajola. Kajolgosh, sorry, like I don't even know. He's, he was, he was. I, I don't even know a lot about him. He doesn't deserve to have a right name pronounced. Yeah. He is an assassin. He's, he's just some nobody working at the subway shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much, right? Yeah. There's not even like. He, so all we know is he, this guy was like an anarchist, so he was super anti-government. I don't know. He was one of those clowns, and he, yeah, he one of those, one of those like steadfast, like bitter guys. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. He was probably damaged too. I'd have to do like a deep dive on that, that guy's life, but I don't know a lot about him. But I'm sure, I'm yeah, sure somebody what, took his ice cream cone when he was this, a kid or podcast, something. This podcast is going from dissecting history to dissecting the psychology of these historical figures, which is kind of fun though. I kind of like this. I kind of like it too because because yeah. you're because you're essentially taking these people that are living in the olden times yeah. without all this technology and, and realizing that they're going through some of the same. Like stuff that we personal personal demons that we do today. Yeah, because people are still people. I mean, in different situations, of course, but like throughout time, but like still like same type, same same makeup, same people, and uh, it's kind of it's interesting too because it's like that's what I like. It's cool having you here because you have this like psycho- you understand the psychology aspect because like I'll jump into like the what this is what happened and like kind of jump into the why, but like with the psychology, you really dive right into the why. Like why did this? Why did all these things happen? Yeah, like why are these people like that? What, what's what's the correlation between like? "Quote unquote good and evil." Right? Yeah, right. Why, why do people do this? Because there's there's these such things called like the dark tribes, which not which is could be like a whole different podcast with itself. But essentially, um, people who are in the light triad, which is like the good side, mm-hmm. basically they get what the dark triad people think that they're getting. But then once once they realize that you know these dark triad people 
are, you know, trying to get all this good, but then they're starting to realize, oh my gosh, everybody around me is just these contemptful, bitter people, just like I am. You start to realize that being good for the sake of being good is what's going to bring happiness and making you feel good. Right. Yeah. Which, which basically is, is the, um, epitome of what, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's story is. Yeah. It's about, you know? it's about do it's about stepping up to the plate and doing more. I mean, you hear more about Teddy Roosevelt doing for other people than doing for himself, which is really cool because exactly. it's like, I mean, the only thing I think we touched upon that he did for himself was, I guess, go out to the Dakotas. Other than that, like, I don't yes. think we've really discussed anything. I mean, g- g- learn boxing, like, <laughs> and let's, let's imagine, let's imagine too, that Teddy Roosevelt was like somewhat of a micro Hitler in his sense, yeah, where, right. where, he's, where he's basically this guy where he's kind of doing it out of like a narcissistic ideal, right? If we were living back in the 1800s or the late 1800s being these quote unquote citizens, you and I would be starting a coalition to impeach this guy. Yeah. Right. right? Like, yeah, pretty <laughs> much. We'd be, we'd be, we'd be on the war path against him pretty much. We which... would just as anybody else, it, it would start this, this upheaval of what the American like ideal should be right because because yeah. because we, we want these presidents to be you know these people who understand morality and humanity and want the good for the American people you have to think of something more than just yourself yeah you can't be like I want to be president because I want to check it off the bucket list you have to say <laughs> I want to be president because I want to actually like help America and I mean and, and to a larger extent the world to some extent obviously you know there's always debate about like should it just be about America should it be about like a larger scale I mean obviously and it's a spectrum too it, yeah. it, it's like it's like conservatives want to help other people but it's for the sake of the individual right exactly. whereas, whereas liberals want to help other people just for the um, the intrinsic goodness within it which is a debate within itself yeah so, because it's you know. like what's what's more because like it's not to say like anyone on any like political spectrum is good or bad i mean that, that's defined by like how they like live their life obviously you can be like a you could be a horrible person to be or a good person either way and be any political party for all i care but like it all it all depends on it's, it's all that debate because that's where we get debates like is this side evil is this side good yada 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 I mean, Teddy Roosevelt seemed to be a type of guy where it's like, because I've seen this, where he just didn't really matter. It didn't really matter, like, what political party he was. He was just doing good for the sake of doing good. You could just take a political party off them. And we need we need more people like that because I've noticed, like, even, like, my classes I've been studying with, with history is, like, they keep saying, like, a Democrat in the 1800s was different than a Democrat in the two, in now. Same it's, thing it's with a Republican. I feel like much more today, it's a lot more, like, in a sense, like, radical. It's, yeah. It's, it's either one side. Whereas back then, it was, it was more so just... Who is the, you know, the best human? Yeah, he was know? the best person to lead a country of other people. So, yeah, so he becomes, so moving along with that, it was just so true. Is he, once again, he steps up to the plate, this time kind of because he has to, it's his job. But, like, I'm sure he understood that. That's what happens when you become the vice president. And he so he's elected, he becomes vice president in March, and in, in September, I mean, McKinley gets killed, and now he's the president. And he's 42 years old, which is the youngest president of all time. Most people think it's uh, Kennedy. Uh, JFK was 43 when he became president, so very close. But Teddy Roosevelt is the is the youngest of all. I get, uh, He was the youngest elected, I guess you could say, because he actually won an election. Teddy Roosevelt just became the president. But he's the youngest president of all time. Uh, which is really crazy, too, because could you imagine, like... Because I feel like every vice president, even in the beginning, like, oh, had this idea of, like, okay, chances are, like like 99.999% sure I am not going to become president. Like I'm just going to sit here, <laughs> help some things, like do a couple speeches and just like, you know, that's it. Yeah, like but, just kind of take this office job and then when I got to be the quote unquote substitute teacher for the United States, I'll essentially step in if this guy is yeah, out the door. Yeah, and like it's very like rare for, I mean, there's only been a handful of presidents that have been assassinated. There's always been a handful of times where 
um, the president, like, had to go take a surgery, so then the vice president steps in for a few hours or whatever. But, like, the vice president barely sees any action. So this guy, I mean, within months, is now the most powerful man in America. Exactly. And he's, I mean, he's up for the challenge, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, too. So then he, uh, I believe, that's all my, uh, like, handwritten notes, but I know what pretty much, for the most part, I kind of know what happens next. He, uh, so at this point, he's... Once again, continue the humanitarian aspect. He one of his biggest policies as president of right after you know he he executes uh, Leon, whatever his last name is. He, yeah. he he does not waste any time you know taking care of that fool. Um, Off of this guy, you bitter jerk. Yeah, like he's like no nope, no, nope, you <laughs> killed my boss, like you're done. But anyway, after that, um, he is one of his biggest uh, things is obviously humanitarianism, and he's his goal is basically to help the people who are less fortunate basically be like okay like we're because a lot of the time there's like the banks the banks were like they almost like running sometimes they took times in running the co- turns and running the country basically there's a lot of times in u.s history where the banks basically like took the united states hostage and like you know would be like okay if you don't do this for us like we won't give you money and then the poor people are like well i guess we have no choice so teddy roosevelt was obviously against that idea of like this corruption he was like trying to help the, the people on the bottom basically be like okay like i'm gonna try to help like get rid of all these like corrupt people and help you guys like you know not like give you stuff i'm not but like you know because i know you all want to work for like and get a job but like I'm going to get rid of all the, the the roadblocks that are going to, you know, stop you from doing that so you can actually, like, achieve your own American dream. And, you know, because that was what he wanted. I mean, obviously, look at him. Look how where he got. And he realized that there's all these people that, like, obviously wanted to do that. Like, there were people, like, I feel like people today are like, well, I want to just, like, I want it handed to me. And it's like all these people back then were, like, didn't, like, were poor they were totally down to work and they were working really hard but there were so many like roadblocks in their way that like pretty much avoid like caused them not to work or whatever or not to like achieve anything and teddy roosevelt was like well they're working so hard like they should be like enjoying the fruits of their labor but they're not so he was like that was one of his main goals was to combat all these you know all all the all the issues that were you know causing the the people on the bottom or the people in general for that matter which is which is like interesting too because you, you take teddy roosevelt who's essentially this this you know on the surface this macho masculine right. guy who's who's trying to lead a country into, into this place of you know essentially just homeostasis and trying to get everybody on the same spot so they can there could be progression right so when we talk yeah. about like the political science of it he's, he's trying to get them into a spot where development can you know accelerate but i think <clears throat> i think what's interesting about teddy roosevelt is that he essentially takes this this masculine ideal persona, yeah, yeah this, this masculine persona and kind of like dabbles into a lot of the different um, like feminine aspects, which, which essentially you want to appeal to all of the American citizens, which, which is interesting too. Yeah. He's, and I think most presidents kind of come into this as they, they like, um, continue their work in office, but with Teddy Roosevelt, he's essentially getting the best of both worlds for everybody. Yeah. That's what I like about him too, is that he's very like, he's very like, cause he comes across like, even if you just look at a picture of him, like, Oh, I wouldn't want to mess with this guy. I wouldn't want to talk to this guy. Like, wouldn't want to talk to this guy for that matter. But like, um, in reality, he was like a super like kind hearted individual. Like he probably like a super, I would probably love to talk to him if you could sit down with Teddy Roosevelt. Like his voice. Have you heard his voice too? I've heard it's very like, um, it's kind of high pitched. Yeah. Right. Which is very ironic. He was one of the first, I think presidents that ever had his voice like recorded or whatever. He's probably like Like, high pitched. Like, I mean, not like, not like squeaky, but like, you know, higher timbered and just booming. Yeah. Like, hello. Like that type of, Oh, yeah, yeah, like talking like one of those sirs. Yeah, and I remember like one of the like one another like random like cool fact about him was like when he was I believe when he was running for re-election. So I guess that would be 1904 or something like that. Do you know if he got the re-election? He did. So he, did. he he won re-election the first time, and I think I believe during that process someone, which is like shows how like of like 
how much of like a savage this guy was. So he had like obviously they didn't have teleprompters back then, so they had to write their papers and their speeches. And obviously, like if you think of like all the political like the speeches today, they're like an hour long. Like when you look at like a president just making a speech. Yeah. So it's like okay, so back then they had just have like, a boatload of papers just sitting in front of them. So he had to like get on the podium and have this paper that he most likely I wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him that he wrote it himself. I wouldn't be surprised. But he had this big paper. It was probably like 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 hundred some pages thick that he had to re- read. That he was reading whatever speech he was doing during his uh, campaign. And someone who didn't like him decided to uh, try to assassinate him too. So he's like reading his speech, <laughs> and he has like obviously like you know he has his like overcoat and his like probably it's like, probably like a three piece like, suit. This story and he has like his thick thing of like papers, and some dude you know comes out from the crowd or whatever and tries to shoot at him and shoots through the papers and then through the the overcoat like all the layers of clothes he had and then hits him like around the heart like just misses his heart but the because of the papers and all the clothes he was wearing it like slowed it down enough to like not cause enough like damage for him to like collapse so it just hits him and then i like he just like kind of stumbles a little bit and then like everyone around like all i guess his bodyguards and whatnot were like oh my god like dude like we need to get you out of here and like one of the from what they say like the bodyguards and the people in the crowd didn't even realize what was going on at the time they just thought maybe he like stumbled or whatever and the bodyguards realized what happened they're like like we need to get you to the hospital he's like i am finishing this speech (laughs) and then he like he continues before he continues he like looks up the crowd like guys just want to let you know like if you don't realize by now like i've been shot but it takes more than a a bullet to kill a full-grown moose or whatever and i'm like dude like what a savage and then he finished the speech and then he went to the the hospital and then i think they left the bullet in his heart because it was like too risky to because back then it was like if you had a surgery like the surgery alone could be what killed you like there was a president a little bit before him uh that got not not mckinley but a couple before him um named garfield and he got assassinated but the, like he died because of like an infection because of the surgeries so like back then it was like okay like if you can live with it like you can live with it and since teddy roosevelt is like a tough dude or whatever like he's just like eh, speaks whatever. to his character the guy the guy essentially has no fear within his system yeah right he's just like i'm gonna keep doing this like i set out to do this speech like you can't shoot like you're not taking me down like i'm not scared he of you. shot through the papers too so i mean how's he gonna, how's he gonna fit a speech with a big hole in yeah right uh, that's, a, that's that's a really good question <laughs> Like what? He just like pause. Like he like reading the paper. <laughs> he's like new stack. Somebody. Yeah. Can, somebody he's like he just like improvises every time he reaches the bullet hole. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so then he becomes president again, and uh, he uh, he decides to like step down. And one of his like I guess what you call it like, proteges, which is William Howard Taft, who is the most known for being like the fattest president ever. <laughs> That's like the only thing I know about this guy. He's uh he looks like a nice fellow though. Uh, his little happy mustache and whatever. He the, William Howard Taft was like his like protege and whatnot, and he kind of he was like stepping down for being the president. And he was like okay William Howard Taft like I'll try to like he didn't real Teddy Roosevelt realized he was not gonna go for presidency another time because back then you could keep running and running and running um and um so he started to start grooming William Howard Taft to become the next president which he he um he he became the next president and then instantly like he did the opposite of what Teddy Roosevelt wanted him to do uh because (laughs) I don't really know a lot about what William Howard Taft was like for like stood for but like it was obviously so a lot he essentially strays away from all the teachings of Teddy Roosevelt yeah he's trying to pass it on to another generation and yeah he, you know Teddy Roosevelt finally says yes he got to be the president he's gonna continue my legacy and nope. he strays away <laughs> yeah instead he, he yeah. all I know is he got stuck in his bathtub because he's really fast <laughs> that's all he did but like uh but anyway, yeah, so pretty much William Howard Taft ticks him off a lot because after he's, you know, he, he got him into, not get like single-handedly, but helped him, obviously, because if the number, if the super popular president is endorsing the next guy, I'm sure William Howard Taft is an easy way to get presidency. So he becomes presidency and then becomes the president and then 
instantly just kind of like does the opposite of what Teddy Roosevelt wanted him to do. So then instantly Teddy Roosevelt was like, fine, like if you're not going to do it, I will. So then in the next election, which was uh, 1912, I think, he decided to run again as a, in a different party. Uh, it was, was called the Bull Moose Party, which just comes from the, the phrase he, he said, like, it takes more than a bullet to kill a bull. Oh, bull I moose. love it. And, he, and it, it's, it's basically what the progressive party is today. Like, he's super progressive. He was for, like, you know, that type of ideology. But it was called the Bull Moose Party. And he runs against uh, William Howard Taft. And I don't know if he realized it at the time, but, like, third parties, like, never win. They, like, nev- they've never won, a, like, an election in terms of if it's Republican-Democrat versus another party. It never helps. It always causes one side to lose. So I don't know if he realized that it was going to cause a side to lose or if he actually thought he was going to become president. But it works because him running siphons a bunch of votes away from uh, Taft. And then the other guy who was running, I guess he was the Democrat, uh, uh, wins. So Teddy, there was, like, four people running that year, like, major, like, candidates. And it was, it was Taft. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, who was the next president uh, during World War One, and then it was, um, and then Teddy Roosevelt ran as uh, the the Bull Moose Party, and then the Bull Moose, which party. by the way won a couple states, which is very rare too. Like you think of like Gary Johnson and all those other like people that you <laughs> make fun of as the third party, like they never win anything. Like this guy actually won a state, a couple states as a third party, and there's another guy named uh, Eugene V. Debs who was a, uh, a socialist, which like oh, you, ne- you never hear about in like a major uh, political party, but the, him and Debs kind of like caused. Um, Taft to lose because the, their involvement and took away some states. Um, and then Woodrow Wilson becomes president, and then World War One happens, and then uh, I believe in 1920 is when uh, um, I'm sorry, ni- yeah, 1920 is when uh, or 1919 actually. So 100 years ago, wow, is when um, Teddy Roosevelt passed away. And that's that's the amazing strategy too of the uh, the quote unquote third party, right? It was like the Bull Moose Party back then. But yeah. I, I think like when you realize that okay, the third party can't really win, you know, win. But there's always, like, this instrumental, like... Changes the game. Motive for the third party. The third party, just like any other parties, is important and instrumental in the election process. It happens multiple times later down the road, too, where a major third party comes in and takes away. Yeah. It's it's almost like like a strategic move. Like, it's like a sacrifice. Like, you're not going to win. People think, oh, I'm not going to win being a third party voter. But But then you start to realize, oh, hey... If I don't want these guys to win, I don't want these guys to win, and I don't have this radical, um, you know, uh, persuasion within myself, then I might as well be a third party to try to take away, throw a wrench in the system. And it works. It works a couple times later. But so in any case, he he, he does not become president, um, and neither does Taft. Woodrow Wilson becomes president, and then he becomes president during World War One. And this is like the last major thing I think is funny about uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt's in his like late fifties at this point, and I believe the United States entered World War One in 1917. So it started in 1914 with Europe and stuff and like all the alliances and stuff and Woodrow Wilson was like hands off he's like I don't want to get involved in this eventually we did but Teddy Roosevelt like criticized him he's like no we need to get in there and fight like we need to take care of these like the Germans and stuff and like he literally at like I guess like 57 something late 50s he's like I he went up to like Woodrow Wilson or whatever and he was like I will get like you can I will get my own group and I will fight them myself <laughs> and he's like send me he's like forget the military send me and my group of guys or whatever I don't know if it's like the Rough Riders part two or something and he's like I will go to France and fight the Germans and then Woodrow Wilson's like no thanks but no thanks but like no but like the fact that he was still willing to go like at the end of his life was like dude like he, he was just like he was like public servant like through and through like he was willing to help it's out like, man you know screw this I'm gonna do this myself yeah he's like yeah. if you want a job done do it yourself and then he it's like, uh, a, it's like a political um like DIY you know do yourself yeah. kind of deal yeah he was just like he was like Ikea he just like I he built it himself. But anyway, he passes away in uh, in in uh, in 1919. 
Uh, he was considering running in 1920, but unfortunately he passes away, I believe, 60 years old. And, uh, and 100 years now, it's now 2019, uh, and now we're talking about Teddy Roosevelt. But definitely an influential person through his whole life. Very Crazy. Yeah. And I think... Um just, just to conclude this podcast, yeah. just don't got too much time left. Yeah, but, you know, running up to ten minutes. I, I just want to say that um, lots of different, like, not only with the history of Teddy Roosevelt, which, which is like vast within itself and vast yeah. within the whole scheme of things. Uh, I think what's what's most um, conclusive about Teddy Roosevelt is not necessarily the the historical things. Why, while it's very important to understand that in you know, you know, dissecting the history yeah, right. of American you know, political figures. I think what's interesting about Teddy Roosevelt is that he, you know, even though his life was defined by all this different pain and suffering Mm -hmm. early in his life, he took that pain and suffering to, to therefore heal himself and do it for the good of the American people. Yeah, that's really cool too. Because you feel like a lot of people like that who would like go through all this, these horrible things in life, their focus would be on themselves because they would like, well, I want to help myself out. Instead, he's like, he get he got out of it, and luckily he was able, to, in a way, kind of help himself. He got married again. He had a family, so in a way. But instead, instead of being like, I deserve so much more because of all the bad things that happened to me, he's like, no, I can help other people instead. Like he took it a step further, uh, which is really cool because you don't see. I mean, we need more Teddy Roosevelts out there, honestly, like helping the world. And uh, we just need, we just need. They're like the world today calls for more good people yeah like simply put you need someone who's like willing to put others in front of themselves or like whatever their group is or whatever you know what i mean which is really cool in an age of of this social media revolution right where everybody's kind of focused on themselves you know i think it's important to try to realize that there's still people that are needed to be good yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's it's so much better, and honestly, it is more fulfilling to like help others than like yourself. I mean, I mean, look at Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, like it wasn't even just like he I had mean, his the psychology of it. All. Yeah, right. Like you gotta love the psychology. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like his whole life. I mean, he has asthma. Like almost dies a couple of times. Witnesses like what, like one of the best presents of all time. Like his funeral procession probably did a number on him. You know, his wife and his mom both die on Valentine's Day. He goes out into the woods by himself. Like you know, like all these crappy things happen to him, and he kind of bounces back every single time. And then he becomes the the the, the vice president only for his boss to get killed and then he becomes the president but every single time he does he, instead of like being a downer or doing damage for other people because it's like not fair he decides to like be like okay well i'm in this position now i'm just gonna help out america you know in the spot that i'm in which is really uh really something yeah he also uh this is a random side note he also took a trip to after he uh after he uh taffed beat him or whatever I love after, Taft, I know, after Taft's like ins- insidious betrayal he decided to blow off some steam and go to the Amazon with a group of people and like just like go on a trip to the Amazon like to add to his bucket list yeah like just like cause, just, just cause and cause he liked animals and the wildlife too but like what a guy but anyway but yeah so that pretty much wraps it up this is a it's a pretty long one today but like uh, it was a we had the ball rolling this whole time so we're dissecting history yeah, so, so. so thank you again Jake for uh for coming down and uh and uh, sitting in my car and talking about, about history and psychology, too. Which Thank is, you, everyone. I hope to be back for another uh, Dissecting History podcast. Most certainly. Absolutely. Um, everyone, once again, check out Jake's uh, Jake's uh, YouTube channel, Jake Myers, on YouTube. And uh, thanks to you once again. Uh, next week is the season one finale <laughs> of Dissecting History. Uh, I hope you guys have an amazing uh, rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next podcast. Thanks.